and thank you for tuning into the Attack Early Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I always laugh at everything you say. <laughs> it was almost Southern, but not quite. <laughs> there you go. What's up, y'all? Gosh, it's so bad. I'm from Illinois. I don't have it. I don't have it. We say y'all, y'all don't, you don't say y'all where, where y'all are? No, I say y'all all the time. I just don't have an accent. Well, I have a, oh. a northern accent is what people tell me from here. I say like a few things funny, but I have no, <laughs> none, none of that business. I hear it's all about like who you hang around as a kid mm. is really what forms it. I see. I see. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <clears throat> Today's episode takes a bit of a deviation. I don't really know the name of this episode, but we feel like some of y'all are just getting a little too serious. <laughs> y'all just need a break. Yeah. Y'all just need to chill out a little bit. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to find something else that you enjoy doing to create a little bit of margin in your life and to... yeah. Yeah. Make you a little bit happier of a person. Like learn an internet out in the dances. Sun. You're going to what? Learn internet dances. Or, or don't do that. <laughs> you should go out in the sun and like go find a friend and like throw a football or a baseball around and yeah. Get sweaty and run around or find a hobby. It's good for you. So on today's episode, Sam and I are going to be talking about some of the hobbies that we have. Mm-hmm. Outside of mastering mm-hmm. and outside of doing doing this for <laughs> coming up on five years. So wow. some of you might say, it sounds like y'all have a topic this week. And you know what? What's that? Maybe we were stretched for one. <laughs> and maybe we came up with a really good one, but then we're like, you know, maybe what? we should give it a week. And make sure we have all of our facts straight before we get fact-checked online. What up, bruv? True. Who knows how many people really listen to this podcast? Four. Quite a few. So (laughs) anywho, it's quite a few. Quite a few. (laughs) Thank you. So anyway, today we are going to be talking about some of the stuff that we do outside of mastering, and I hope that encourages you to, I don't know, maybe get out in the sun and just kind of get out of the, the dark studio and go like make sure that you're taking care of yourself so this is one of those taking care of yourself episodes but before that mm-hmm. y'all should take care of us to say i'm taking them to housekeeping 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 is one of my hobbies for sure <laughs> um friends you have the unique opportunity to go like share and subscribe to our podcast um it's been such a gift all the people that have been sharing screenshotting the episode you're listening to or this current episode or a past favorite tagging us on Instagram for the record mastering is Matt's Moses mastering is me tag us we share it you share it everybody shares it cross marketing it's a win 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 as Michael Scott will say and uh, yeah it's been great so thank you so much for doing that and it takes like you know, 20 seconds to tag us to do this, and it's super helpful. We don't ask for much. That's really the only thing we ask for. And so it would be so helpful if you would continue to do that because it helps expand our community. Um, 
and it expands um, obviously people learning about mastering and life and hobbies, which is great. So that's housekeeping. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks, thanks, thanks. thanks. (laughs) Probably the best one yet. Oh, I'm blushing. I don't really think there's any order to this episode, any semblance of order to this episode. Mm -mm. What? (laughs) I, I, I would say you and I have like several similar hobbies. You're kind of. You're kind of in the midst of one right now, a mouth-watering one. Mm, it's true. Smoking meat. Why don't you tell the people about it a little bit? Yeah, one of my hobbies is smoking meat. And, um, you know, I, uh, my father actually smokes a lot of meat. And that would be probably where I first got, quote-unquote, into it. But if I'm being honest, Matt, you have really shaped my meat smoking, uh, my love for my meat smoking. Did you say shaved or shaped? You have shaped. Okay. <laughs> and shaved. I was like, shaved is weird. Yeah, you you really have gotten me into uh, smoking meats. Right now I have a brisket on, I have ribs on, and then I'm experimenting. Just part of a hobby is experimenting with a top sirloin, which never smoked before, usually kind of a forgotten cut of meat. Or used in just you FaceTimed of... me yesterday and you you showed me your meat. Yeah, I did, <laughs> and you gave me some good tips, and I wrote them down, and I'm using them. So currently, I have a brisket that I'm uh, watching from afar on my Traeger grill, which I like um, for smoking. And uh, yeah, that's one of many hobbies. And I guess what I would like to say with this topic is that. For me personally, for many years, and honestly, up until like the past year, I neglected hobbies and I viewed them as a waste of time. Um, Hmm. I viewed them as if I'm not being productive, that I'm wasting my life, uh, wasting my time. And over the years, since I started my mastering business many moons ago, I kind of fell into this trap in grind mode, even though the last four or five years I've had very good boundaries with everything, but still, um, I personally have gone on this journey of learning how to, I'll say, have fun again. Not that I'm not having fun when I'm mastering, but rediscovering uh, things that have nothing to do with music or moving me quote unquote forward as far as like business goes or finances go. And also even with saying that statement, changing my mindset that there, you know, for, for me to be honestly really happy and healthy, which we talk a lot about requires me to have free time and play time and essentially not to sound childish, but time to try new things to experiment to get myself out of uh, the music industry, to get myself out of the mastering world and go enjoy uh, the things that are around us. So hobbies for me are a big joy expander is the phrase I want to use. And it's really helped me to learn new things about myself and the world, which is always fun. It's helped me build community. It's helped me relate to people more. Um, it's also a de-stressor. We get stressed. That's okay and normal. Obviously, if you're overstressed, that can be bad for you. But 
a healthy amount of stress is good. Uh, at least I think most people would say. Um, but you know, smoking meat has become something that I've really enjoyed. A lot of the times with smoking meat, I'll have a lot of meat to eat. So I'll have people over. So tonight I have my in-laws coming over to eat this brisket with me and ribs. And, um, yeah, you know, it just facilitates hobbies, facilitate a place for community and relationships. Um, and with that, if you're open to that, um, you can have the benefits of then learning new things, having yourself challenged, uh, you know, critical thinking is, you know, a part of all of this too, of thinking differently. And then what I found is those things kind of spill for lack of better words, back into my business, my clients, my mastering. And I've found that I'm a lot more, um, happy. I don't know. Happy is yeah, part of it. Um, but just kind of my work is continually being held more open with an open hand. The more I kind of indulge in hobbies and life outside of work, which we've preached about, or I have at least that, you know, like you're not your work. Um, you do work, but you are not that. You're not defined by the skill of your work, hopefully, as your identity. But it's a hard thing to sometimes um, separate yourself from work. And it's also sometimes really hard to allow yourself to have rest, to have margin, to have hobbies um, when you're thinking, oh, man, I need, I need more work. Uh, I need more money. I need to do this or... If I do this this quickly, or if I knock these things out, then I'll be you know one step ahead, or things of that nature is really rooted in scarcity and urgency, which um, is not always the best place to function from, to create from, and live a life from. You can take that uh, from me personally, of kind of living a life that way for many years, and finding that when you have that mindset, um, you never really. Get you never hit the finish line. <laughs> Whatever you've fake created in your head that you need to get to step two, step three, I need to get here. I want to make this amount of money. Um, when you get there, then you're sometimes disappointed, not always, but then you're usually like, huh, now what? What am I going to do now? Um, so that's where for me, hobbies have really become fun. Um, I don't even want to say hobbies are a luxury. Um, because I think hobbies should be worked into your daily routine on some level, and I think it's a very healthy part of being a happy whole human. So let me pause there. I'm going to hand off to you, Matt. Hobbies. Well, <clears throat> well, I think I figured out what the title of this episode is going to be. Excellent. And well, it's like just kind of like going along. It's like this kind of is more of like a mental health episode, and. We've done a hefty amount of gear episodes and whatnot, and for those of you waiting about what the next episode is going to be and what it was going to be before we called it off, it is a gear-based episode, so uh, <laughs> since we've done so many of them, since we've been over the 100-episode mark, um, it's probably good to kind of pause and just do like a little mental like check one. And this... <clears throat> Uh, this episode is going to be called Always Be Learning. Mm. Um, because I feel like, well, there was like a, there was like a, a saying, like, I don't, I don't know if anyone's listened to like, I've said this like one or two times 
Um, but a, a long time ago in a land far, far away, um, I was really interested in flying. And I guess this kind of gets into one of my hobbies, but um, I got my pilot's license the day before I went into college. And that was a really fun hobby for for quite some time. But there's a saying in the whole flying circle that like the minute you start the minute you stop learning is like the moment you start dying because if you're not constantly educating yourself um, in kind of like a messed up way about like what could potentially go wrong and like the minute you stop like preparing about like, okay, I'm not practicing emergency landings anymore or Mm -hmm. I'm not like, I don't know, everything's going all right on this flight, but it's like if I'm not thinking, it's like, okay, well, just randomly like in a scenario, if my engine were to die right now, how would I handle that? Where would I put this aircraft down? How would I handle that? Like, what frequency is my radio t- turned to? Who am I going to uh, contact? Like, what 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 are the course of events that's going to happen? And it doesn't have to happen every single flight that you think about that, but it's like it's like a pretty healthy thing to think about. Okay, well, if this scenario happens, then what do we do? Um, so yeah, I've kind of always been in a state of learning. Um, so I've also been into smoking meat. I actually wanted, before I wanted like a pellet grill, I wanted one of those like offsets that like you, you have like the barrel next to like the cooking mm-hmm. chamber. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to do that, but we were about like, I had just finished building a deck with my dad. And I swear like this deck is like more beefy than my house is. And so, like, whenever we get hurricanes, I'm in Charleston, whenever we get hurricanes, like, all that weather comes in, like, through the backyard. And I have, like, a pretty big backyard. It's, like, 5,000 square feet of just, like, grass and, like, there's a playground for my kids. Mm -hmm. And, like, I always hear it hitting the back of the house. I'm like, holy crap. And I was like, man, we really need to anchor this deck down. So we, like, overbuilt it. And so it's like, there's like a joke that, like, you know, if, like, a tornado or a hurricane, whatever comes and pulls the house up, like, the deck will still be there. Um... But right after we finished building this deck, like it was about like a, we had like a week of time, and then uh, my daughter was going to be born, who's going to be two, probably right around the time this episode airs. And I was like, man, I would love to get an offset, but I just don't think I'm at the stage of life right now to where that's a reality. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I get like a if I get a pellet grill, my wife can totally use it. And so we've been like this year and part of last year kind of redoing a part of our house and when we didn't have an oven like my wife would be like hey yeah I smoked this like pork tenderloin today like well that's hot (laughs) so that's kind of been that's kind of been a nice thing like I got home yesterday and she like had like grilled chicken thighs like that's awesome thank you so yeah I've been into that but I eventually want to get towards get towards the offset but the Traeger has been really fun um to kind of learn a skill and to kind of learn it while taking a lot of the idiot factor, I feel like, out <laughs> of like some of the learning process. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of allowed you to... And these are like sub-bullets that I have under this always be learning. Um, the first bullet I have under that is like pushing creativity. And so like that for example, has like kind of like allowed me to kind of push like creativity. I'm not having to like screw around with the fire really. Yeah. It's like if you want a temperature, you just kind of dial it into that. Um, <clears throat> and then the last boil bullet point that I have is 
it's kind of made the ability to embrace failure because that happens when you're cooking a lot. I really like cooking. Um, so it essentially allows you to embrace that failure maybe like a little bit easier. And so like those, it's, it's just like kind of like a, like a little process that I've kind of been thinking of. Always be learning, push that creativity, and then like embrace any failure. And failure isn't bad. It's not like you're taking an L. It's like you're, it's like, it's not a failure if you learned from it. Right. So it might take a while to realize you learned something from it, but you probably did learn something from it. So um, that's me piggybacking off of what you said. I would say my number one hobby that everybody knows that I have is I love my lawn. Uh (laughs) And uh, from when I was nine until when I was 18, I had a lawn business as a kid. And that's the cash that I used. And I take that over to the airport, which was, I don't know, like a 15-minute drive, but I could probably walk through the woods in 15 minutes right to the end of the runway. And, uh, yeah, I'd take that cash over to the airport and over to the flight school and be like, all right, let's go up this week. And so I had between 13 and 17 lawns when I was between when I was nine and when I was 18. So I had to get those done within about two and a half days. And so I think that's why I'm so into music because I literally just had no friends. I just cut the grass all the time and then just listened <laughs> to like loads of like classic rock. I love like Guns N' Roses. The Rolling Stones is probably one of my favorite bands. Um, just like anything I could like put in my like little like Sony Walkman. I had like tapes like in the early days and now and then I went to a CD player. Um, one thing that sucked about moving from tapes to CDs is like you'd hit a bump in the lawn and the CD would skip. <laughs> <laughs> so that was annoying. But anyway, yeah, I've I've always loved like cutting the grass and kind of being in the lawn and that's really... Um, that really kind of like fits that cycle well of like always be learning. It's like, okay, what did I screw up last year? It's like two years ago, I like pushed my grass too hard, like too hard, too early. And I, I can get into the science of how I effed it up, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so I know that I did it and I pushed it too hard. And then like the middle of the summer, it was like, <laughs> And it like had no more juice, started to thin out. The opportunistic weeds came in. And then by fall, like early fall, it was just like a weedy mess. And so um, I don't know if I told my wife that I did it, but I just got some Roundup and I just like nuked the whole like front yard and the sides. And uh, I said, and we got, I got some new, new lawn put in the front yard. And I've been really liking that past, it's like two, this, I think this is like the third season that I've had it. So that's like the whole like embracing failures. Like, yeah, that was an expensive mistake. But then it's like, while you do that, it's like, okay, well, do I want to go a synthetic route of taking care of it? So like just like regular synthetic fertilizers, or do I want to go like an organic route? And so an organic route is you're feeding the soil, which feeds the grass, as, a, as opposed to like, say, like if you eat a carrot, it's like that's going to have like vitamin E and all this other stuff in it. They say vitamin E is good for the eyes. And there's other benefits it has to it. It has, I don't know, I guess you can say it has fiber to it. So that <laughs> so you'll get that benefit. And then mm-hmm. like there's all these other vitamins and nutrients that it has in it as well. And so that benefits other things as opposed to you can just take a vitamin E pill and that's really just going to affect the things that vitamin E helps. Hmm. Um, 
that's really the difference between organic and synthetic, like say fertilizer, where a synthetic fertilizer just like directly affects the turf. So, anywho, that's kind of been that's kind of been my first love. I'm kind of documenting it a little bit more this year, and I got like all my friends these like uh, what's it called those uh, those soil testing kits. Yep. So if anyone wanted to be interested in it, they could kind of see where their lawn was at the beginning of the year. So I did that for Christmas. But I'm pretty obsessed with it. I kind of cut my grass two times a week. My neighbors think I'm crazy because I do it at like 8 p.m. at night. On one, like Wednesdays. So like, it'd be tonight, I guess. No, I'm not doing that. I think I got to spray for some. I got some weeds. And I got to like wait till after I mow to do that. So got to wait like two days. So I think tonight's the night. Excellent. Anywho, what else do you do? I got some stuff that you don't even know I do. <laughs> You don't even know this about me. Well, I um, I like to build build things. <laughs> it's kind of a hobby. You're pretty darn talented at it. Like your Thank wife you. and designing, and you with the follow through. You're like super yeah. like it's, good at it. It's something that started as a necessity because we renovated our first house ourselves. This would have been eight nine years ago. <laughs> And we did it because we couldn't afford a house, really. So we bought a house that literally was didn't have a functioning kitchen or bathroom in Nashville. Even back then, it was expensive for us And um, at that time. So we kind of um, learned, and both our dads are contractors and would come. They live out of state, but would come every once in a while and correct everything we did wrong. Um, but we learned a lot, and it took me a lot of years to except that building things takes time and there's process and steps like you cannot rush through. Um, And that was my biggest frustration with construction was like if you're patching drywall or something, usually you have to do different types of um, like drywall layers basically and sanding Mm -hmm. before you can actually paint it if you want it to look like it was never there. And that is kind of all of construction is like, you do something and you have to wait. So you go to the next other thing that you can do and then you circle back to the other thing once it dries or sets or whatever or it's an overnight or you sealed a, you know some wood or something. And so once I accepted that things take time, which this is like a universal helpful thing, and this is, once again, one of the benefits of hobbies is like it could teach you so many life lessons that then can be applicable to your job, such as mastering or engineering, is that things take time and there are steps and processes, processes, processes. And if you skip or rush them, like I used to rush, I bring up drywall, like I used to rush the sanding process and sometimes it'd be a little wet still underneath and then I would be like, oh crap, I gotta start <laughs> over basically. <laughs> gotta like recover. Yeah, so then it costs you more time in the long run and usually then it looks worse because you've, impacted like the second coat or the first coat and it just never sets right again. It's almost better just to cut out another square hole or something and patch up like that. But anyway, um, building things. When I surrendered to the process of building and surrendered that, okay, this isn't a race and I'm allowed to make mistakes, that's probably something hobbies uh, have taught me and especially building. If you've ever built anything, you will make mistakes. And you are you have permission to make mistakes. You have permission to fail. 
And hobbies are a, I'll say, safe environment, if you want to call it, to do that, where there's not really, in theory, um, pressure to execute or perform like often we view kind of in our job. Hobbies can become a safe place for us to learn and to make mistakes and learn how to react to those things um, in a controlled environment that's far less pressure. So building things is something I still do. Um, you know, every time we just like renovated one of our rental properties in Florida and it was one of those things where I said I would never do it again, but it's it's one of those things where after you get a few months past it, you're kind of like, oh, I could do another one. Um, <laughs> because it's, it's so, um, it is really rewarding um, to create with your hands and similar to mastering, create, you know, audio, work in audio, create something that didn't exist and now it exists and now it's done and people enjoy it. That is a gift. Um, and so, yeah, I like to build things. Um, I have like some furniture to build. And when I say furniture to build, that's like just assemble. Let's change the word <laughs> to build. Like you got like an Allen I have, wrench yeah. that came with I it. I have like furniture to assemble. Your thumb is going to be so sore. <laughs> well, I have all the drill bits for it, so I don't even use the manual wrench i have oh, bits i normally use drill. the allen wrench i don't know why yeah um you know when you build enough or assemble enough things for different properties and whatnot you you figure out you want a, a drill bit for it <laughs> an allen wrench adapter so um but anyway i love to build things um and it's been something that i found very rewarding and very beneficial um, to my mental health, I'll say, in that learning patience, learning that things take time, learning that you can make mistakes. Um, there's also, for me, nothing like using your hands to create. Part of the reason why I still like gear uh, is the tangible, tactile feeling of turning knobs. Mm. Um, there's something physical about being a physical human. Uh, at least I believe we're physical humans and we're not in the Matrix, but physical humans touching physical things, even if we are in the matrix, it's all we know is to be physical. So <laughs> this is it. This is all we have. This is our reality. So, you know, it's here. Um, but there's something very, um, I don't know, connecting for me when I touch uh, the gear still. And it's not the same as plugins. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with plugins as we've talked over and over again. But I find... There's something very, um, I don't know, I almost want to use the word spiritual (laughs) about building and creating with your hands. Um, But yeah, that's another thing I really like doing. I really like to build things. So I'm always tinkering in my garage, essentially, on something or tinkering on something in the house um, for fun. And that's another hobby I really enjoy. And if you're out there and you're like, want to start building things, um, it's pretty affordable to build things, honestly. If you want to get into it, you can like find DIY plans. One of the first things I actually did build was I built it like that very generic farmhouse table that like everyone had, I feel like. Um, and there's like so many DIY plans on how to build like a farmhouse style um, table that I actually still have. Um, but that's basically just like two by fours and some four by fours. And if you don't even know what that means, that's fine. You can look that up quick. And then you just need like 
basically a drill and a saw, which you can buy um, at Home Depot or Lowe's for a very... Let me just say, tools are so much, in in general, cheaper than gear. (laughs) So (laughs) you can buy a killer circular saw for a couple hundred dollars, um, you know, that'll last forever and will be like an end-all, be-all of circular saws compared to like spending... $6,000 $6,000 on a mass passive. <laughs> so the cost of entry and the the reward of joy from building things is very low uh, and very enjoyable. And then you have a saw for the rest of your life. Yeah, and then you have a saw. And then you can be that guy where your friends are like, hey, can you help me with your saw kind of thing? And then you cut things. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, another one of my hobbies, building things. Hand it off back to you, Matt. I'm kind of learning like the other side of like... Like, so we just like, you know, the whole kitchen saga that we were going through. It's crazy. (laughs) And I'm totally like, man, I could have, I could have done this in like a month and it has taken, I don't even want, embarrassingly, I don't even want to like mention how long it's taken. And I'm sure like when this episode airs in a month and a half, like it will probably still have a few punch list items. And I'm like. I don't know. I'm kind of being stubborn and being like, I'm not going to finish these because it's like I hired these people to do it. And it's honestly probably going to be one of the last things I hire out. Um, there's like, there is like this like whole thing of like, like when you have kids of like a balance of like, I can either hang out with my kids or I can work on the house all the time. <clears throat> And I don't know. I just was like, I would rather hire this out so I could be like a dad and it could get done during the week when I'm at work and I don't have to take up my weekends and do it. And I can just hang out with my kids and my wife and I can be a dad. And so, I mean, that's been pretty like darn important. And, uh, yeah, this is this will probably be one of the last things that I hire out. I know how to do it all is the thing. Yeah. But I was just like, nah, we'll just we'll just kinda like have this. And it's like, no. I'm so pissed we did it. <laughs> <laughs> um something kind of funny about the whole lawn thing. When my wife and I lived in an apartment pretty close to where we live right now, um I was jonesing so much to cut the grass. I don't know why. That my friend who lived like semi close nearby, I totally like contacted him in the middle of the week. He's like, dude, can I just like mow your grass this weekend? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, do you want me to like, like, you want some for? I was like, no, I just, I just want to like, I don't know, maybe give me like a Gatorade. <laughs> but I was like, no, I was like, I just really want to cut the grass. And so that's how much I like doing that. Um, so, but yeah, I'm going to probably switch back over to, Doing construction things because excellent. I mean, it's like like my like my dad's dad always had this saying of like, I don't know. They pay like there's <laughs> there's dumber people than me doing this for a living, and it's like right. well, that's true. It's like <laughs> I could totally do this. Like it's none of it's difficult, right? So I don't know. I know how to do it all. It's just okay. Now it's like again, I guess like Emery's old enough to where it's like he can kind of like understand some stuff. It's like you don't want to show him like electrical. So I don't want him like at school like taking off like <laughs> wall plates <laughs> of like sockets and whatnot. But um, anywho, I think that's kind of cool. It's like he's five now. I can kind of like involve him in some stuff, and he's into it. So might I might start doing that. Um, 
Here's one you don't know. <laughs> this one's relatively new. Um, so it's like for my other business, it's like we need to like photograph a bunch of stuff. And so our marketing guy has just like a, a pretty nice camera. And so he's been photographing like a lot of application shots for a lot of our product and whatnot. And it's turned out like pretty darn, pretty darn good. But it's gotten to a point where it's like I would like to be a little bit more intelligent when like talking about like like this whole process and whatnot. And so I've gone down this whole like like and, and don't get me wrong, like we were doing like all this digital, but for some reason I've gone down this whole like thirty five millimeter film train. <laughs> and I yeah, I don't even think I've told you any of this, Sam. And it's been I have two cameras so far. And one, well, like one that like I got and I was like, this is pretty sweet. But I was like, like I said, in the whole building thing, like I want like my kids to be able to kind of do it with me. Right. And so I got one that's more of like a point and shoot that like if they were to grab it and just like, like Emery knows how to turn it on and he knows how to take a picture. And so it's like, like I remember when my wife, she was like walking downtown and she gave Emery a, um, like a disposable, like, like, a dis- like one of those old disposable cameras, just like a little Fujifilm one. Yeah. And we got him, we got him developed. And this is like right after I got into it. Um, we got him developed. And one thing, like one for, for, first of all, they're freaking incredible. It's also pretty difficult to take a bad photo downtown Charleston because it's yeah. such like a gorgeous city. Um, but something that struck me, um, kind of cool and it probably won't matter to people who don't have kids, but it's kind of cool to see like how low to the ground the perspective is Mm -hmm. because he has to hold this camera up to his face (laughs) to look through the viewfinder. And so that's the perspective of a four or five year old kid and so it's like that's the world that that's the lens literally that of the world that he views um life through and so um those i think that was those 27 photos were kind of kind of cherished so i i I thought that was kind of cool we've also i'll probably get into this in like a later episode probably towards the end of the year but we've had some like personal stuff going on um at the house and Whatnot. It just kind of like, like one of those things that just kind of like makes you step back and just like kind of like appreciate some of the stuff that you do have in life. And uh, one of the things that I always remembered growing up was you would have, I'm trying to think, how do I want to get into this? Like, do you remember when like, and I'm pretty sure I've said this on an episode, do you remember when like MP3s came about? Yeah. Like on your computer. And like at first, like I was like kind of against like ripping them offline and stuff like that. The whole like Kazaa. Right. No, no, Kazaa was a streaming service. Or yeah. Like the LimeWire. I did and all like LimeWire, BearShare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was pretty against it at first. And I'm like, well, man, I, I've always just liked owning something. And so like even like today, it's like I'd rather have equity in something as opposed to a subscription. And. I'd have these like like I'd go and I'd buy these like ninety nine cent songs from like the Apple iTunes store, 
And this is like, I don't think it was before Apple IDs, but like, I guess before my comprehension of how to like probably save these files properly. Cause like I was pretty young, like early 2000s. And I remember like we had a computer crash. I couldn't figure out how to recover my music and stuff. And I had like decent amount of like cash for like a kid invested into these like little 99 cent songs. And I just remember like how pissed it made me because I was like, man, if this was a tape, if this was a CD, if this was like any other kind of thing, I wouldn't have to worry about this. And I was like, I was the same thing with like CDs. I was always pissed off like tape to CD. It's like, yeah, it sounded cooler, but it's like they skipped and if it scratched, it's like you ruined it. And it's like, I've never really experienced like besides like, yeah, you can have like a like a VHS or like a cassette player, like totally eat a v- eat a thing, but it's just like you totally feel like okay, now I got to go back and buy this ninety nine cent song again because I don't I'm a kid I don't know how to go and recover it. So like it always put this like annoying like notion of intangible objects um, into reality pretty quick, and so I can assume that that's kind of what got me like later in life going down the whole like vinyl train and so i really like vinyl records i wouldn't consider it like a hobby but i definitely i definitely really really enjoy it um i would consider it like an old hobby um i haven't really been buying a lot recently but i also need i'm also kind of out of room (laughs) i guess that's a thing too um but it's like with vinyl you have something that's like freaking tangible and it's pretty nice well it's like also it's like you know like actually having a photo you're like exposing light to like essentially like these like emulsions that are layered together and they're like physically like like there they're cast and it's like yeah you can lose a photo sure like as easily as you can lose a digital file it's like you can also have scans and so whatever but I don't know, there's like something cool and nostalgic and more permanent, I don't know, maybe to me about just like shooting film and whatnot. And then I can like involve like the kids in it. And I only, I don't know, like I probably have like less than like 10 reels through like everything and I'm like screwing things up as I go along. Um, But I don't know, kind of through like this whole season of life, it's nice having like super tangible things and, uh, we're about to go on like a big family vacation and I'm probably going to get like 10 like disposable cameras and I'm going to give them to like everybody who's on this like trip and be like anybody, any age, any size can pick it up and take a photo and then just put them in this box whenever you're done and then we'll get them developed. I'll scan them and I'll upload them to Dropbox for anyone who wants to see them. And I think that's just kind of a cool thing because it's like you're just like capturing that like a little moment it's like oh you can do that on a phone it's like yeah you can do that on a phone but it's like I don't know there's something cool about that like you took a photo and you're like well, what the hell now like <laughs> did, did it make it is does it look good does it look bad is this like like you can't wait to see that memory again because like we're so used to like instant things and so it's just kind of nice to have things in life that make you slow down and then go drive it over across town to get it developed and then wait 24 hours and then like go back and get it and you're like so freaking excited because we're so used to this instant thing. And so finding things that kind of make me slow down, like cutting the grass. Like you can only cut the grass so fast. You right. can only like smoke a brisket so fast. 
not fast. I think at there's all. a video online of like somebody trying to microwave one to see how quick <laughs> oh they could gosh. do it. Know if they could tell there was a thing, like a difference. But <laughs> anyway, but that's like a whole like another thing of like always be learning, like pushing your creativity, like kind of like learning. Like I am way too early into this whole thing about like learning how to like push and pull like like film and like messing with like. I don't know, really weird balanced film. And y'all obviously know by my Instagram, if you follow me, I really like black and white. And so it's like, well, how do I get stuff that looks like this? And it's like, I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out when we get the, when we get the prints back. And so I don't know. I've just, I've gone down this rabbit hole and it's kind of cool because my marketing guy, um, he has a, uh, an old camera of his, of his dad's. And so I, th- I gave him like a few of my roles. I got like a few Fujifilm roles and, uh, well, Kodak the Portrait 400 and some black and white stuff. He'll just put it on his desk. Next time he comes into town, he's a remote guy. And uh, and then yeah, it's like we'll go. I don't know. It's like I think it's kind of cool to have similar hobbies with people too. So, right. And to kind of like experience like that thing. Like it's like I don't know. Just kind of like experience that with somebody else. I think it's kind of fun. So anywho, what other things do you have? Well. I actually just let my dog in the studio. And I oh. was going to say dog is a hobby. <laughs> my dog, Biggie, who is looking at me right now, is uh, one of the best things I've ever, I'll say, uh, I guess purchased. I purchased a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say it's one of the best things I've ever done. And it's become a hobby of mine to... Um, I don't want to say take care of him, but a hobby to learn about dogs, uh, learn about what they like, what they don't like, how to train a dog. That was something I got into. Um, I don't know if you necessarily call this a hobby, but it's having a dog is definitely one of the biggest joys in my life and stress relievers in that he forces me to be present. Uh, if you want a good dog, you have to be present with it from the time you get it and throughout its life. And it's something that um, just reminds me too, having a dog like of what uh, the more important things in life, not that mastering isn't important, but having a dog, having for me, this personal opinion, of course, having a family, all that is important and extremely fulfilling and hobbies are, are similar to me with that are important. But having a dog, um, I would say it's kind of a hobby. Like I go on walks, which you could say is a hobby with him all the like twice a day now for the last, he's four, so four years. So that's gotten me into like hiking more as a hobby and experiencing nature more. Um, and that's been a really healthy thing. So uh, a dog is something that I would say could be a hobby. Um, golf is probably the last thing I'll mention. Um, golf was something I was really competitive at, competitive in, uh, from like age seven through college. And then I got super burnt out and got into music. Uh, and then the last couple of years, it's come back around as something that I've learned to just enjoy, uh, for fun. And golf is equally one of those things that can be insanely, uh, frustrating while also being extremely rewarding. Um, there's so many, I'll say 
phrases about golf of it's a, a long walk spoiled or things of that nature. <laughs> if anyone has ever played golf, you know the frustration and joy of it that it can have at the same time. Um, but golf is is something that gets you out in the nature. Usually, if you're playing, like I just play like the park courses in town, then you usually get paired with strangers. And um, it's always, it's something when I was a kid, I would get paired up. You just show up the course, and if you don't have a tea time, they just work you in with other people. As a kid and in high school, um, I didn't think much of that. But as I've gotten older, um, I think for me, you know, you start, I don't want to say like stranger danger, but you start to form views about people and preconceived biases, uh, unfortunately, about how you view people and how you think strangers are. And it's really easy to get stuck in your own little bubble and community and forget that there are people out there that are different than you, and that's great. And golf is one of those things where if I show up on like a Thursday afternoon, they might pair me with like a 60-year-old guy another 30-year-old guy and some high school kid. And you are forced to be with those people for the next two to four hours or five, Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. And if you're sharing a cart, sometimes I like to walk, but sometimes if it's really busy, we'll do carts um, and they'll want you to do carts and you get paired up with someone. and You have like a driving cart buddy (laughs) for like two hours who you don't know anything about. Hmm. Don't know how they drive. (laughs) Yeah, and so, you know, it's... It forces, and for me, it's been good for, I'll say, social anxiety. Not that I really, I would say, ever, I've I've struggled or, you know, had a relationship with anxiety and depression before. It was more so probably seven years ago where it was um, impacting my day-to-day. But uh, I think with COVID, personally, it really, I'm an extrovert, and it, COVID really made me become, I'll say, almost an introvert and forget how to be uh, with people <laughs> in general. And mastering kind of has the tendency to, to allow you to be alone um, and work alone as opposed to like recording bands. Um, and so for me, and this is just a personal thing, um, I really do enjoy being around new people, but I noticed when kind of like we got opened back up after COVID that I felt like really kind of uh, some social anxiety back in settings and just some unsureness about people because we've kind of been through a crazy few years. <laughs> and so um, so golf has helped um, really allow me to get like learn social skills again, um, learn how to be a part of a community and be part of, I'll say, even a city on some level. Um, I think our current culture allows us to be isolated, allows us, and I don't even want to say any of this is bad because I use it like Amazon. You can have everything delivered when you want it, which I think is freaking awesome. But there is a tendency, um, it allows you to not participate in society, um, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, on a physical level. And I think for me, um, you know, it's. I found it's really important for me to continually put myself out into the city. I joined a gym again instead of working out at home, uh, like six months ago. And just going back to the gym was almost like overstimulating because there's like hmm. so much activity going on in a big city gym like Nashville. Like there's lots of people all around you sweating and grunting, and <laughs> like it's just like a very primal environment. And um, 
I found it at first, to be honest, like very intimidating, but now it's become almost therapeutic and it's helped me like get back into society. And sometimes you spot people and you meet them. And, um, you know, I'd say, you know, working out, being active is, is a lifestyle for me, but a hobby as well. And, you know, circle back to golf. That's been really good for the, the communal aspect and the stretching of my comfort zone to be a part of society. And I've found hobbies can often allow you, um, basically an icebreaker. I mean, if, if four mm. people show up at a golf course, you're going to have plenty to talk about, about golf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really easy to get into a conversation or, you know, form a quick relationship with someone that you may never see again. Um, and there's been people I've met at the course that now when we see each other, we're like, hey, let's play together. Um, I wouldn't say we're like friends, but we're like golf. If we're there at the same time every Thursday at five or something, we are like, you're here, you're here, you're here. Okay, let's just play together. <laughs> so it's been really uh, good for me to do that. And I would encourage people out there, like if you feel social anxiety um, or things of that nature before, even if it was before COVID or post COVID, um, I would encourage you to to in your own time, be brave and go put yourself back in those situations and relearn how to be back into society and be civil, which is kind of a dramatic statement. But we've spent the last couple of years really being not a part of society, I feel like, and interacting with humans. And it is an art form to communicate and interact and form relationships. And I think it's really beneficial. And I think hobbies are a really easy way to allow for some groundwork and ice breaking to be there to not make it so um, stressful. So I'll end with that. Oh, the one other thing too, I'll end with that. Classic me. I'll end with that. And here's another monologue. It's Um, never over. I just want to make sure people understand like, and this is something I've stolen from my therapist over the years is like, you have permission and you deserve to have free time and to have downtime and rest. And that is something for everyone listening, no matter what you're doing or how overstressed you think you are with your projects or you feel like you have no time, you do have time. You just have to make time. And that doesn't mean you work 12 hours and then you squeeze it in an hour later. The best way to do it is like, if you've got a busy day, then be, I I do this now. Like today, I actually had a very busy day. I had the dentist, I had the gym, I had mastering, I had the podcast, I was cooking brisket. So today I knew was going to be a very like nonstop day. And so I worked into the day. I forced myself, I'm going to take 30 minutes and meditate. And I like red light therapy as well. Um, But I told myself after the gym, you're taking 30 minutes and I know you want to just go master because that's what you really feel like you need to do. But you deserve to have 30 minutes for yourself because you're about to, for the rest of the day, give like 16 hours to everyone else. So you deserve mm-hmm. 30 minutes. Like you deserve 30 minutes to yourself to relax, to say, hey, what's up, Sam? <laughs> what's up, little buddy? How are you? Like, how are we doing? And chill out. And that I think for me, that thought process of thinking how much we all, we do, we work and we give a lot to a lot of people and we rarely take more than 30 minutes or an hour to give to ourselves, to allow ourselves to take care of ourselves, to have hobbies. So I just encourage everybody out there, fight for yourself, fight for your hobbies, fight for your free time, for playtime, to have fun you will see a benefit on so many levels. 
um, and you'll also expand as a human. And that has been my TED Talk. <laughs> that was like everything but a dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm done. We just like start rolling slow clap. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm done. I, I mean, I have like a few more. Go. You can go. <laughs> no, I'm just going to blaze over them. Okay, blaze. Because like I think that you should have like several hobbies. <laughs> yes. Um... I really like being a dad. I think that's pretty good. Um, I mean, it definitely. I don't know. Like, it it did like dad life did not hit me like immediate, and it took me like a while to kind of get into the whole thing. Like, of like, oh yeah, like you're my kid, kind of thing. And I I don't know why. It's just like such like a traumatic like shock for some people. It's like, oh, I knew like like right away. It's like it was like perfect, and it's like. It wasn't perfect. This kid like shits like a bear. <laughs> it's like screaming at me all the time. We had to go through like colic and jaundice and like all this crazy stuff uh, when Emery was born. <clears throat> then it's crazy like how much like we were talking about earlier at the office of like, oh yeah, like kid number two is like, yeah, they'll be fine. <laughs> it's like we've been through this. It's like they're not going to die doing this. It's like they're they're going to totally be cool. Like, but like kid number one, you're just like, ah, oh, like it's just like a constant thing of like, oh no, that'll kill you. No, don't do that. No, you don't really don't want to do that. No, don't stick that in, in an electrical outlet. Oh, I should have baby proofed that. That comes a little bit later down the road. <laughs> but when it when it when it hits, it hits. Um, I really like dad life. I like that a lot. I'm trying to every day be better about that. Um, yeah, I really harp on on the dad thing, and I really try to be a present dad. Um, and I try to not take for granted that, like, like I see kids who are, like I say, in, like, Emory's preschool, and he's one in the kindergarten, but, like, you just see stuff of, like, parents who aren't together, and it's, like, nothing against that if that's you, but it's, like, I know for a fact that kids grow up better when they do have, like, a dad, and I think that a lot of problems in the world can be accumulated just to dads not being there and like a lack of male influences, like regardless of like whatever anyone else thinks of the world. I think that it never hurts for a dad to be there and to be like abundantly there for his kids and to tell his kids that like he loves them. So um, I try to make sure that my kids know that I'm proud of them when they do something good and, um, I also think that like like as far as like punishing kids it's like I think dads do a really good job at doing that too because it's like <laughs> there's a whole adage that like if you don't punish your kids society will. And so I think mom and dads do it a bit different and uh I'm not saying one is better than the other but I think just kind of getting someone from dads a little different than getting like punished from mom. So I'm not like advocating hitting your kids I'm just like the way like you like raise your kids, um, so I think all around it's pretty good. Uh, I'm oddly into cigars. This is actually a really funny mm-hmm. story. We're like totally like running up on the hour, You're right? And I probably got like ten minutes till I got a jet. The my cigar br- story is really my funny. My brisket's not ready yet, so we're good to go. <laughs> oh well, perfect. What you at? <laughs> I am at one eighty two. Oh damn! Moving on up. Yep, I need to hit one ninety five. So I'll probably be another thirty minutes or so for sure. So. All good. So the cigar story, my dad would always go to China when I was a kid for his 
for the business that he worked for. And he'd always come back with like Cuban cigars and stuff like that. And so I'd always smell like him smoking them in the backyard. I was like, damn, those cigars smell really good. And so I went and I like took like one or two of them and I was like, golly, these are pretty tasty. Well, when I was like 15 years old, I'd like see the cool cigar store in town and I'd like go up to it. And uh, eventually like I went in and uh, I was kicked out by one guy. And so I'd always have to pay attention when he was working. And then I had a friend of mine who made fake IDs. I had him make me one that said I was 18. <laughs> and, um, and then I, wait, I was like, I kind of like learned when this guy worked and when he didn't. And so I went in there and I know like exactly what the guy looked like when I went in there. It's like such like, like a defining moment. Like when I was 15 <laughs> years old, went in the cigar store, I picked out a cigar and it's like a little tiny like pocket cigar store, like not a big place at all. And had no idea what I was picking out or anything, but I like, I'd watched like videos online on like cigar aficionado's website. And so like, I kind of like knew what to do and I didn't smoke it there. Anyway, I took it to the, I took it to the counter. Like saying I didn't smoke it there means that I got away. Um, I put it on the counter and the guy's like, I'm going to need to see some ID. And so I gave him my ID and he like looked at it, looked at me and it was a pretty convincing, like fake. And he's like, dude, you're not 18. <laughs> and I said, why would I make a fake underage ID? So like, cause if you're going to make a fake, why not have it be 21 so you can buy beer? Right. But I didn't care about beer at all. I cared about cigars. And so <laughs> I didn't care about cigarettes or anything. I cared about cigars. And so that was a convincing enough line that he's like, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do? Take this, take this ID and go get a credit card? Like, what the, what the hell am I going to do with it? And so that's how I got my first cigar. It was a Monte Cristo white label. It was just a Dominican uh, cigar. And... uh yeah, you take that in the backyard, you don't really know how to smoke it, and you get like high as a kite, and then you turn green, and then you throw up. And so that was pretty much the romance that kind of started it all. <laughs> and I think when I was 18, I think my parents got me a humidor that was like stocked. And so that kind of, yeah, I got some funny cigar stories. And then I had a cigar store for a while um, where I moved when I got out of college, and that's a whole other saga then before I moved back to Charleston, so... That one's a fun one if anyone wants to hear any cigar stories. I also really like starting like small businesses or just like little tiny small business ideas. You know this, Sam, of like I'll just kind of go off the rails and someone's like, oh, I don't know how to start this. Like this would totally be easy to <laughs> uh -huh. do. And I can come up with a business plan, a marketing plan, and I can totally tell you how to get it off the ground and how to do it. I won't say it'll do well, but I could tell you that I can tell you how I would do it. And I don't know. I just I think I like the innocence of that stuff. Um, something I'd like to get into that I had on my like little like what's it called at the end of the year the resolution mm -hmm. I had on my little resolution list I wanted to um, pick up and start studying for um, my instrument rating and kind of pick up the pilot's license thing again um, like I said earlier life's throwing a bit of a curveball this year um, I still might like buy like some like of those video series that they sell of it and how to do it. And I might start studying a little bit, but not do anything super formal. I also think it'd be cool to f figure out that whole meditation thing that you do, Sam. You like, you like channel some like Zen. <laughs> yeah. I think that'd be 
I don't know. You're a really calm guy. I feel like <laughs> well, that would be it's beneficial to calm down a little bit. That has been learned so. over the seven, uh, seven years, actually. It'll be seven. and started meditating seven years ago, and it'll be August. They have this like meditation app on the Oculus. So yeah. I have one of those. And I've also, by the way, Sam, come full circle on my initial opinion of the Oculus, and I now like it again. <laughs> Excellent. Um, You're allowed to change your mind. And I did. It's great. But they have some meditation apps on there, and it's creepy. Like, they sit you on top of, like, a mountain, <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you go to, like, I don't know, like, even, like, mentally, you go to, like, a whole nother spot. Yeah. And it's kind of like, like you, you, then you take the headset off afterwards, you're just like... Wow, I am ready to take on the world. And then it's like, oh, it's 11 o'clock at night. I should go to bed. <laughs> so, anywho, hobbies are good. Hobbies I highly good. encourage them. I highly encourage people seek out interests in the things that like make you curious and the things that you're interested in. And I don't think it's wrong to uh, have a desire to learn something, like regardless of how old you are, how young, or um, if you got. We got a few years on you. I don't think anything's wrong with that. So I guess the thesis for this whole thing is always be learning, push that creativity, and then whatever failure you do experience, um, embrace it and learn from it. Yes. It's great. And that's my thesis. I love that thesis. Thesis? It's great. Anyway, I think that's all I got. Love it. Take us home. Cool. Yeah, I was like all congestion and yeah. Might edit that out later. Anyway, Kuna from the background is a sweet beat curated by the one and only Sam Moses. If you wouldn't mind just telling him thank you for putting all these episodes together. Uh, this is like... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm forever grateful that you put these together and you make these sound so professional and they're <laughs> awesome. So thank you very much for doing that every time. Um, yeah, so if you wouldn't mind, tell him thank you. If you wouldn't mind going over to wherever you're listening to this podcast, give us, gives us some thumbs up, likes, and some stars. If you don't mind taking a screenshot of this exact moment and just taking it, posting on Instagram and saying, hey, I really like this episode. I think there's something in here that you might like. And... I don't know. And if you see someone else who shares this thing and you don't follow them, go follow them because that's kind of how this community grows and y'all should talk and be friends and kind of create this community. Um, Yeah. Back to mastering. If you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For The Record Mastering. And uh, we would both love to help your record song, EP, whatever you got, cross the finish line. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. So morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Go get a hobby. Get a hobby. Get a life. Get a hobby. See y'all later. Bye. Have a good one. Oh, Buenos dias. Adios. What does buenos dias mean? I never took Spanish. Good day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Guten tag. There you go. There you go. All right. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.